So before I get started, I have two things I want to say. The first thing is this. You might notice as you walked in, you didn't get a bulletin or a handout. And so for the first time maybe ever in church, I'm actually going to encourage you to get out your phone. Get out your smartphone and take notes as we go through the sermon. Um, If you miss something, that's okay. You can just check out the podcast. The second thing is this. I'd like to start out tonight with a little bit of a survey. Now, this survey is the best kind of survey because it's only three questions. And it's not a survey that I want the answer to. I want you to answer them for yourself, okay? So the first question is this. Do you believe in God? It's a simple question. It's very specific. Do you believe in God? The second question is this. Do you pray to God and do you read the Bible? And your third question is this. Do you have a complete peace and contentment through all the seasons of life, no matter what you might be going through, no matter the struggle or um, the hard time, you have a peace in your heart. Now, I believe that the majority of the people in this room tonight, there was no hesitation for the first question. You said, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. For the second question, I believe there might have been a little bit of hesitation because while you might read your Bible and while you might pray, I think we could all agree that we could do that a little bit better a little bit more. But you see, it's the third question that Christians tend to get caught up on. It's the third thing that is hard for us because the fact of the matter is if we're being honest with ourselves, every day we worry about something. Every day we struggle with having anxiety. But the fact of the matter is when we gave our lives to Christ, when we became Christians, we began to be able to say yes to every single one of those questions. Now, you might be sitting in the room here tonight saying that it is impossible to completely cut the word worry out of my vernacular. It's impossible to not have anxiety. But the good thing about church, and if you're a Christian, is that we know a guy who likes to prove the impossible wrong, who likes to make the things that people would believe are undoable, doable, and that's Jesus. You see, ultimately, this whole message, I believe, tonight boils down to a single sentence, and that's this. When there's no Jesus, then we can't know true peace. There's no true peace. But when we know Jesus, when we know Jesus, that's when we know peace. When we know that we have a God in heaven who loves us, who's greater, who's mighty, who's strong, who has a plan for our life, that's how we begin to rest in the assurance and the promises that he has for us. You see, oftentimes in the Old Testament, the word peace and salvation are synonymous. And oftentimes also paired with those two words is the word prayer. Three words that are fundamentals of Christianity. I mean, salvation is the whole point. Prayer is the whole purpose. And you see, oftentimes what we do is we ignore these things. Oftentimes we doubt. And we fly directly in the face of what God has called us to do, and that's be faithful. You see, worrying is the exact opposite of trusting God. I found that when we put our problems in the hand of God... He puts his peace in our heart. Now, you might say that praying, when you pray, you're simply acknowledging the things that cause us to worry. You're simply saying, God, there's this thing going on in my life. It's really bad. I need you. And the fact of the matter is, that is the truth. That is the heart of what prayer is. 
And every person in the room tonight has to make a decision. There's these pivotal points in our life where circumstance asks us to make a choice. We can either choose to worry, to have anxiety, to be consumed with the pain of walking through this life, not knowing or being sure that we have a God in heaven who's going to see us through, or trusting Jesus, of turning it over to him in prayer. And you see, oftentimes I think we pray the wrong way. We pray to God that he might perform a great miracle in our lives. We pray that God might reveal himself in a mighty way that's obvious and apparent. We pray that God might do the legwork. But I don't believe that that's the heart of what prayer is. See, to me, what prayer is, is this. It's the greatest way for our soul and our heart and our mind to reposition, to refocus, to gain a new perspective on what's important. It's kind of like when you catch up with an old friend or when you talk to your dad. He gives you advice, and he might have words to say, and he might not. Maybe even the advice that he gives you, you don't understand how it's applicable. But the fact of the matter is, knowing that you have a father who cares about you, who's willing to listen, knowing that there's somebody there, takes away that feeling of anxiety, takes away the worry because you know that you're not going about this life on your own. You see, prayer puts us in a position to respond. It puts us in a position to respond to our circumstances not to worry, or to be filled with anxiety. There's a passage, and it's in Matthew, and it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, and it says this, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You know, so many times in my life I've been doubted, and it's one of the most frustrating things in the world. You know in your heart that you can achieve something. You know that you can reach this potential, this place, that you can accomplish something. And yet people say, you can't do that. They question you. They're constantly checking up on you. You see, how much greater do we do this to the Lord, the God of the universe? We question him. We doubt him. We don't just trust that he has a plan and a purpose. See, that's like a smack in the face to the Father. God. We doubt him instead of having faith. There's another passage in Philippians, and it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, there's a key word in that passage that's talking about how we're supposed to cast away our anxieties, how we're supposed to pray to the Father. And that word is thankfulness. See, so many times we go to the Lord and we just weigh him down with all of these requests and things that we want to see in our lives. But when we choose to pray with thankfulness, when we choose to see the blessing in the midst of our crap, in the midst of the stuff that we think is awful that's weighing us down, when we choose to find the blessing and to thank God for that, we're forced to look at how good he really is. We're forced to see that he is bigger than our mess. It gives us a new perspective. You know, there's a phrase, and I think most of you have probably heard it, and it's this. I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. And there's not a truer phrase. You know, we don't know what our future holds. We can try to figure it out. We can try to think of circumstances and situations. And when we worry, we do exactly that. 
we think of all the things that might happen or that could go wrong. And the majority of the time, it's nothing like that when we actually face those circumstances. It's nothing like that. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds our future. And when we remember who holds our future, when we remember how good God is, it helps us forget how bad it could be. It helps us cast away anxiety and our worries. Now, the next point I have about worrying is something that's very theological and deep. It's very um, hard-hitting, and it's this. Worrying isn't good for you. It's as simple and as dumbed down as I could possibly get. But I believe that worrying is not good for you. I mean, aside from the spiritual implications that worrying causes, aside from the fact that it's doubting instead of having faith, physically, worrying can destroy you. I know people that have developed ulcers, who have stopped sleeping, who have stopped eating because of their anxiety and their worry just becomes so great that it consumes them. You know, Scripture is very clear that our body is meant to be revered as a temple, that the Holy Spirit, that God is literally living inside of us, and yet we destroy this house with our doubt constantly instead of trusting in Jesus. Worrying isn't good for you. Aside from illness, worrying isn't good for you because it can rob you of your blessing. I'll give you a story. My first year of college, I was at Campbellsville University, and I was on the track team. And we had a few meets in the indoor season, and we were doing really, really well, and we actually qualified for this race. And so my team was really, really excited about it. And to give you a little bit of background on my team, um, we were excited because we were a group of four white guys that they called Team Wonderbread. Okay, And we ran the 4 by 200 meter dash, which typically is a race for the brothers, if you know what I'm saying, okay? And so we were so excited to go to this race, and um, so we prepared for it, and the night before, I remember in my room, walking back and forth, and my roommate had gone to spend the weekend with his girlfriend, and so it was just me in the room, and I remember pacing that floor and looking at the clock as it ticked to 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, until it got to the point where I was like, okay, Blake, you need to to rest, but you don't need to go to sleep because there's no way you're going to wake up. If you know anything about me, you know that I sleep like a log, and I sleep through absolutely anything. So I sit down in my chair ignorantly, thinking that I'm just going to be able to rest, and by about 5.15, I fall asleep. Unfortunately, I was supposed to be loading the bus that was taking us to the meet at 6 a.m., at 6 a.m. And so I woke up at 6.45 frantically. And as I ran out of my dorm room, past my professors going to class, I looked like a complete idiot because I was dressed in nothing but spandex shorts trying to find a bus that had left 45 minutes previous. So short of the long of the story, I tried to drive to the meet. I ran out of gas on the side of the road. I didn't have any cash on me, and I didn't have my phone because I didn't plug it into the charger the night before because I was too busy and too worried about the meat. And so I had to walk five miles to a Walmart to cash a check to get $15, and then I had to try to find a gas station. And all in this time, the track meet is taking place, and I missed out. I missed out on the opportunity to run on a blessing because of my anxiety and my worry the night before. But you see, there is a silver lining in this story, believe it or not. There was a silver lining. At the end of this long day, I was upset, I was disappointed. My track coach finally got a hold of me. 
And I said, man, I'm so sorry. I know I let my team down. And my 4 by 2 team ended up getting 10th place. We would have got top 8 qualified for nationals if we would have ran a 2-second faster time. I mean, I just felt so much guilt. I said, I'm so sorry, coach. And he said, you know what, Blake, it's okay. He said, because in a few weeks, the outdoor season starts. Be ready to run. Be ready to run. And you see, while I allowed my worry and my anxiety to rob me of a blessing, I had a hope. And that hope was that the next season was about to start. You know, as Christians in the room tonight, we can get consumed and weighed down by our worry and anxiety of the day. But the fact of the matter is we all have this hope that the next season is coming. The most inevitable thing about change is that it's consistent, that it constantly is changing. (laughs) It's kind of ironic. You might be in a season of your life right now that's hard, that's filled with brokenness and pain. But eventually, God has promised a life filled with blessings, filled with purpose, filled with good things. It's only a matter of time before you receive your blessing, before that season comes in full. And the Christians have this great season of rejoicing, and that's at the end of time when the Father comes back and we get to be in heaven rejoicing at the throne. You see, we get to have a season of ultimate rejoicing and love with the Father. In due time, we have hope because we know there's another season. Another one of my points that I think is very profound and very not at all is this. Worrying accomplishes absolutely nothing. When we worry, we sit on our hands while the world around us burns. I often uh, see worrying as a rocking chair. Most of you guys either have a rocking chair or have a grandparent who owns a rocking chair. And it rocks back and forth and back and forth. Like that rocking chair, worrying gives you something to do, but ultimately it gets you nowhere. You waste precious time simply sitting on your hands. You see, we talked earlier about the first step in cutting away anxiety and worrying, and that's turning to the Father and remembering that we have a God who loves us and praying to Him. But there's a second part to that. You see, God doesn't just call us to pray, but He also calls us to walk in faith. See, that's the response. There's a story in the Scripture about Joshua, and Joshua is fighting this battle And he's fearful that he won't have enough time in the day to win this battle. And so he prays to God that God would literally stop the sun. Man, what a prayer. Can you imagine, first off, having that kind of faith? See, Joshua knew that he had no control over the sun, and so he turned that over to God. But see, the story didn't stop there. The great part about this story is that Joshua picked up his sword, and he fought. He finished the battle. You see, so many times we don't remember that we have sword. We don't remember that God has made us specific people with specific strengths and qualities and purposes. And oftentimes that worry and that anxiety and fear of the future can be solved by two things. First, going to the Lord in prayer and acknowledging that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, the end result is the same. Someday we're going to heaven. Someday we win. But the second step is, I'm going to take each day one step at a time. One step at a time. 
and I'm going to do exactly what God has created me to do, exactly what God has called me to do, and designed me to do. God's given me a brain in my head to make knowledgeable decisions. He's given me a passion in my heart to serve others, to love people, and that's what I'm going to do. That is what I'm going to do. Matthew 6, verse 27 and 29, you can write that down, is this. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You see, what created beauty in those circumstances wasn't the works of man, but the works of God. It wasn't the works of man or what we could come up with while we're worrying or being anxious, but it was the fact that God was in control, that God was first. You know, there's a story about my little brother, and he's probably going to get mad at me for sharing it, but he was in the tween stages of his life, and he thought that he was the coolest human being alive, the coolest person, okay? He still kind of does. And he was shopping with my dad, and so he wanted to pay for his own things because he was at that age where, you know, that makes you feel good and cool again. And so he pays the lady for his stuff, and he begins to walk out the store, And the lady pulls out her hand like this and says, Sir? And so Josh turns to my dad and says, Oh, hang on. And he walks over to the lady and so suavely flips his hair and he fist bumps her and walks away. (laughs) She responds by saying, Well, that's great, man, but do you want your change? (laughs) You see, that story's goofy, but how great would it be to have that kind of confidence? You know, life so many times throws things at us, throws us curveballs, throws us things that are hard. How great would it be to be able to walk over with confidence, hair flip, fist bump, and walk away with some swagger because we have a confidence in Christ because our mind is on something greater. Josh was 12 years old. He wasn't concerned about some change. He was probably concerned about some video game or some girl. I don't know. But it was something more important to him. What if we refocused our hearts and our minds on something that was more important, on something that was greater than these things of life that are temporary, on something rather that is eternal? And we responded and we acted. And like Joshua, those things that we have no control over, we turned them over to a God who has a lot of success working all things together for our good. There's a passage in Scripture that I absolutely love, and it's Romans 8, 28. And it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. All things. That means the brokenness that you're facing right now, God's going to work that together for His purpose. That means all things. You know, so many times I think we forget the kind of dynamic, the kind of relationship that we share with the God of the universe. And I have a story to tell that kind of illustrates that. Um, Most of you guys in the room tonight know that I recently got engaged to one of the most hot human beings on the face of this planet. Yeah, thank you, I know. And that's completely irrelevant, but I thought I would embarrass her. Um... But my point to that, to saying that is, I've been searching the internet for blogs about marriage, for scripture about marriage, and this video popped up on my, um, on my internet, 
and that sounds really bad. It's actually a good video. <laughs> and I thought it really, really illustrates this concept of marriage well. Now, it's kind of been circulating Facebook, so if you already know what this is about, do not spoil it for the person sitting next to you. And this actually requires some group participation. So I need everybody to raise your left hand. Come on, you're not too cool to do this, Josh. So your thumb represents your mom and your dad. Biblically, we're supposed to leave our parents. It's called cleaving and leaving. That's a biblical truth. Your finger, your pointer finger, represents your siblings because eventually when you move on, you have to leave your siblings and they have to live their own lives. Your middle finger represents yourself, and no, that doesn't have any significance. <laughs> your ring finger represents your significant other, whether that be your bride or your groom. And the pinky finger represents your children, because eventually you want them to leave the house and lead their own lives. Now, I need everybody to take your middle fingers and push your knuckles together, okay, just like this, and touch all your fingertips with the same finger. Yeah? Good job. Wow, I wish I could take a picture right now. You guys look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You guys look great. Thank you for doing this. Okay. Your thumbs will open up because, like I said, eventually you have to leave your parents. Your pointer fingers will also open up because eventually your siblings are going to go about their own lives. Your pinky finger will open up because you want your children to go on and lead their own lives with their own families. But everyone in the room right now try to open your ring fingers. It's physically impossible no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, you cannot separate your ring fingers. See, that represents the significance of marriage, that marriage was always intended that once you were married, you're always supposed to remain married. Thank you guys for doing that for me. You see, the God kind of marriage is permanent. And I think sometimes we forget that Scripture talks about how the church is Christ's bride, that we're supposed to love our wives like Christ loves the church. And guys, I want to tell you tonight that the church is not these walls that surround us. It's not the seats that you sit in, but it's you and it's me. You see, we're in marriage, in holy matrimony, in this union with Jesus Christ, with the God of the universe. Man, isn't that awesome? You know, Romans 8 talks about all the things that people might think could separate us from the love of the Father. Life, death, tribulation, persecution, nakedness. No height nor death. Not even death. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. Absolutely nothing. But yet we concern ourselves with things that, that are temporary, that are in this world. We allow those things to break our hearts, to burden us instead of turning them over to a God who loves us, instead of turning them over to a God who doesn't ever want to break away from us. You see, God wants us to have abundant life. He doesn't want to have us um, live lives that are filled with anxiety, filled with worries, filled with pain. He wants to have his children live lives filled with purpose, filled with peace. So tonight, as the band comes up, I have a challenge like I do after most of these messages, and it's this. Maybe for you, you are a person who is a worrier. You worry about everything. You worry about yourself, you worry about your kids, you worry about your neighbors, and when you can't think of enough worries for yourself, you're calling somebody on the phone trying to figure out what you should worry about for them. You're constantly worrying. 
Tonight, would you realize that you can give all of those anxieties, all of those fears to someone greater? And in the same breath, in the same breath of repositioning your heart, would you act in faith? Would you step out and take each day one step at a time handling those things in your life? You see, worry can literally paralyze us. It can keep us from doing so many things. It can keep us from receiving so many blessings. So tonight I want to challenge you that you'll no longer be crippled by worry or anxiety. I challenge you to walk out of this place being prepared to walk in confidence, without fear, without worry, with a peace in your heart that surpasses all understanding. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you that you even offer us such a peace. God, I just thank you that even though I try to control my life and I worry and I have anxiety over things, that, that when I turn them over to you, that you give me back grace and strength to step out in faith. And God, tonight I believe that everybody came in here maybe with something on their chest, however small or large, some kind of anxiety, something that has been burdening them. Lord, your word tells us to cast all of our cares on you because you love us. And tonight, Lord, tonight each one of us are casting those cares on you, Lord. We're laying them down at the foot of the cross. God, I I just pray that you would strengthen us to no longer be crippled by fear, but to know that you've already won the battle, to know that we can step out in faith because even when we fall, we have a God who's going to lift us back up again. God, I just thank you for your grace and for the perfect peace that you offer for each one of us in the midst of trials in the midst of tribulation in the midst of pain you hold on to us you love us you love us greatly in Jesus name I pray amen there's a story in in the Bible and the story is about Mary and Martha and Jesus Jesus went to visit Mary and Martha And Martha began doing all of these things, like a good host, cleaning and getting prepared. And Mary simply fell to the foot of Jesus, fell to the feet of Jesus. She was listening to the teachings and the things that he was saying. And afterwards, Martha was complaining to Jesus, saying things like, Mary should have been a better host, and she should have helped me. And Jesus responds, and he says, Mary had a choice, and the choice that she made was the right one. Now, I don't think that this story is saying that Jesus wants us to throw away all of our responsibilities to hold hands and sing kumbaya to the Father. What I do think he's saying in this passage is that Mary got her priorities right. The thing that pulled away that anxiety, that worry that Martha had was her falling to the feet of Jesus. See, ultimately, that's the only thing that can free us. And tonight, I don't want to leave this place without extending an invitation to you. Maybe you're sitting in the audience tonight, and you've never known what perfect peace looks like because you've never known Jesus. You've 
never known a God who loves you, who cares for you, who extends his grace for you. A guy who, who loves you when you're broken, who loves you when you mess up, who loves you in the midst of your pain, on your good days and your bad days, and your life is ugly. If that's you in the room tonight, if you've never known Jesus, don't leave this place without knowing him. Because he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants to free you from your anxiety. He wants to free you from your life of worry, of pain, of brokenness. And yes, there'll still be hard days. Yes, you're still going to go through stuff. But you've got a father who's doing it with you. Who's there every step of the way. If that's you tonight, during this time of worship, as Chris and as Chris sings and the band plays, Lord, the Lord might be calling you. And if he is, would you just come forward? Would you just come forward and let me pray for you? Because God wants to meet you tonight. Also during this time, we have the offering bowls and the communion. Communion which represents the cross, the freedom that Christ extended to us when he died. Also, the altar's open if you need to just get real with Jesus and say, you know what, I'm laying all of this fear, all of this stuff, all the things that are heavy, heavily burdening me at your feet. Would you take them away tonight? Whatever it is, I just encourage you to respond tonight.